The scariest thing about this movie for me is not so much the claustrophobia, but the fact that you had to do math problems <laughs> to figure your way out of it and save yourselves. I'd have been dead in about three or four minutes. Yeah. This movie is truly is one of the very best, like top five horror films of the 2000s. It's such a great movie. seemed to be that warm. I mean, Rex was wearing a long sleeve sweater, and every second guy that came past, if he didn't have his shirt off, he decided, I'm going to take my shirt off. Welcome. <laughs> this is Fright Club Live from Gateway Film Center in Columbus, Ohio, on the campus of The Ohio State University. Welcome. Come on in. Yeah, we are back live. Well, actually, we were live. Were we live last time? I got confused because we were we were so in deep here at Nightmares Film Festival. <laughs> And, uh, and we did one live, but um, I think that was the last time. It was. was it not? Yes, right. it was. See? I'm getting back at it. She, by the way, is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com. And we're back on the normal schedule now. Right. Uh, feeling a little bit normal. And uh, thanks to everybody that came out last time for, uh, for Nightmares Film Festival. That was, that was special. It was a great event anyway, a great film festival, and it was great to be a part of it. Yeah, I, and we've wanted to do that for years, to be able to you know, do our Fright Club in the middle of that glorious festival. And, and really very grateful to Jason Tostevin and Chris Hamill for making that happen and also for letting us show our short film at the end. So that was fun. We did, uh, we did Best Friends in Horror. That was our countdown. We lost, by the way, um, Pinta Joe. She abandoned us after that. She said it's been a good run, but we didn't have Shaun of the Dead on that list, so she's out. <laughs> um, so we'll miss her. <laughs> no, no, we're gonna we're and gonna rope we, her back in somehow. And then we we're showed get her our back. movie, which was super fun. Yeah, and uh, we also I just want to real quick thanks every thank anybody and everybody, and I, there are a lot of fright clubbers who did who um, supported our Indiegogo to uh, turn that short into a feature. Uh, Obstacle Corpse. Obstacle Corpse. Uh, thank you very much if you contributed. And to anybody listening, the Fright Clubbers listening, thank you so much. Yeah, we hope to start shooting in May. Yes. So uh, onward and upward for Obstacle Corpse. Normally we have the movies planned out months, months in advance yes. here. But obviously things have been uh, upended a little bit by current events and world events. Uh, but we think we have something for next month that's going to be Christmas and holiday related. Yes. Don't know for sure. Yes. Well, I, I, I feel pretty confident we will show a holiday film. Holiday which, horror. A holiday horror <laughs> film, yeah. Um, but uh, exactly which one is, uh, s we were hoping to know by today, but we don't. We don't have it nailed down yet, unfortunately. No, but it should be a... a, it'll, a it'll be festive a Christmas, and also bloody. A Christmas extravaganza next month. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, we're back tonight with uh, one that has, has become a favorite. And, and it's interesting. We were talking to, to some people earlier at Happy Hour. Michael, in, in uh, particular, has seen... The remake yep. of this movie, yep. but not the original. So and that it's, it's going to be interesting. And was a big deal when it came out because uh, because it was the same director, but also because it had a pretty big cast, especially for you know the year it came out, which was the early nineties. That Sandra Bullock and Kiefer Sutherland and Jeff Bridges, yeah. and that's a you know that's a solid cast. Yeah. Um, and Jeff Bridges, I would never sneeze at. I mean, he's great in everything, but but when you see the original, as often happens, I think when when foreign films are remade for uh, American audiences, some punches were pulled. Oh yeah. But also, as much as I love Jeff Bridges, he just doesn't come close to the to the the, the lead performance in this movie. It is just I agree. It's just perfection. The, yeah. this lead performance. In this and movie. The, the one we're talking about, of course, is as well. The original title is Sporlus. Yes. Or the Vanishing. So uh, I definitely want to get your opinions when when the movie's done. So please, if if you'd like, come down after, and we'll get you on uh, the podcast talking about your reactions uh, to this film. And of course, if you've seen the remake, maybe to uh, compare and contrast both of them. So uh, looking forward to that afterward. But 
the theme we're talking about is claustrophobia. Yes, we are. Because one of us is profoundly claustrophobic. <laughs> um, and, and, and it's funny, one of the movies on this list, I w- before it came out in trailers, and you don't know, you don't know what trailer you're going to see, I would have to leave. Like, I couldn't make it through the trailer of one of these movies. I would have to leave the building <laughs> and then come back. And, um, and I don't think George knew just how claustrophobic I was until I had to have an MRI, I don't know, many years ago. I had to have an MRI. And, you yeah. know, they told me I'd be fine. Oh, you'll be fine. It'll be fine. And I involuntarily, I did not do it on purpose. You start going back and my hands just reach and would, like, slide <laughs> me back out. Yeah, it was and, ugly. And he, kept being, he and the doctor were like, just don't do that. And I'd be like, okay. And then it would just happen again. I, yeah. So anyway, I didn't have it. I think I'm fine, though. I don't. Th- um, I think you're far from alone. I think no, a lot of people have is. a problem with that. And I, I wondered, because I had one, I had my first MRI a- after that, a couple years yeah. after that, and I wondered how I would be. And it, it didn't bother me only because I could s- see light out. You know, all I had to do was look down, and I saw light out by my feet. So for some reason, that, that just calmed me. You didn't but, immediately assume that somebody was going to close that off and you were going to be trapped inside that tube no, until you died? No, I didn't oh. immediately assume that. So it was just me. <laughs> but yeah, I think a lot of people have that. And it's understandable. You're in that big big tube. It's and, horrible. Yeah. So we're going to explore that. We're we gonna, are. We're going to pick that scab <laughs> with some of our favorites about claustrophobia. And you've got an actual a pretty good list here of, of movies that uh, maybe get into the neighborhood yes. but didn't quite make our final our final five yes yeah, these are movies that bother me because they make me feel very claustrophobic and there are some where it's just the entire film right just f- has this whole pervasive feel like Pontypool which we showed here not too long ago and they can't leave the radio station or um, the thing right it's it, as much as it's like this big open expanse they're so trapped there, and then, you know, the, the closer they get, the hairier they all are, the more trapped <laughs> and confined you feel. High life is like that for me. Misery, Devil, of course, which is all inside. The, it's uh, not a good movie, elevator. but it's all inside an elevator. Yeah. I don't want to be in an elevator with Satan. Um, as above, so below. Also not a very good movie, but very claustrophobic mm-hmm. uh, for me anyway. And then anything in a submarine, but in particular Below and Das Boot. Oh, my God. Plus, you know, you just think to yourself, it just probably smelled so bad in I, there. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Blindness? Yeah. That made me feel very claustrophobic as well. Yeah, especially the more and more people that got put in the compound. Yeah, if you remember uh, that one, um, um, Julianne Moore is not blind, but she pretends she is so she can live with her husband. Yeah, it's, it's nasty. It's dark about human nature. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Quarantine, I can see that. repulsion. There are a whole bunch. And then there were a few that have just like a scene or two mm-hmm. that are really very claustrophobic. Shadow in the Cloud. I don't know if you guys saw that. It's a very B movie with uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Just from what, last year? Yeah, or? just from last year. And it's and it's not bad. I no, mean, it's if not. you go into it, like, it's very B movie. Sort of monster a creature movie. I feature. Fun, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's I thought got, it was fun. It's got a couple of scenes that really made me jump. House of Usher, the old Vincent Price. That'll do it. Pit in the Pendulum, also, the old Vincent Price. Kind of the same thing, really. Um, and then The Lady Vanishes. So those are just a few that have have it Mm -hmm. but these next five are the ones that bout did me in (laughs) no i think these are solid it'd be hard to argue with these for uh for claustrophobic horror movies i don't think pina joe is going to have a reason to (laughs) leave us again because we left something out so uh we've got our five favorite claustrophobic horror movies and let's start with one from 2001 i cannot believe this movie is this old i know crazy uh four teenagers at a British private school, secretly uncover and explore the depths of a sealed underground hole created decades ago as a possible bomb shelter. It's the hole. How would you like to go to the best private party of your life? Me, you, Mike, and Jeff. 
absolutely extracurricular. All right, I'm in. Who's going to slam themselves long? have caught that one I mean some of you are clearly too young to have ever seen that movie but it's super super creepy Thora Birch who I already loved from Ghost World Thora Birch is the lead in this movie and she and uh, her best friend played by um, Kara Knightley convinced two boys that instead of going on holiday with the rest of their boarding school that they should sneak away to this bomb shelter and then of course they get locked in and nobody knows that they're in there and it's harrowing this movie is so harrowing but um I also think that it's it's got this very um wicked layer to it and in particular to Thora Birch's character she's The performance is amazing, and I've always been sad that she didn't sort of go on to be like a staple of of film because uh, the three movies that, you know, I I know her for, those two in American Beauty, she's just wonderful. Yeah, this is just two years after American Beauty, and this is really the reason that the movie got the funding. Uh, with with her starring in it was the reason they got the funding. Because Kira Knightley, they, she was like two years away from doing Bennett like Beckham, so she was yeah, not Yeah, it was her movie yet. debut, I think, uh, Kira Knightley here. But the Thora Birch at the time was still an it girl, so she was the reason this got going. And um, you're right, she kind of seemed like she had a, a, an extreme uh, future, and then uh, then her uh, co-star in Ghost World, Scarlett Johansson, just blew right past her. Her but, and everybody else. Yeah, and everybody <laughs> else. And interesting, this is based on a novel, and the guy that wrote uh, the novel was wrote it when he was 18 years old. Yeesh. Yeah, just not long after he left school. But anytime you're talking about being stuck in a hole, that's just freaky to start with. It is. It is. And it's funny because there's another, there's a movie. It's not very claustrophobic because it's an open hole, but John in the Hole, which is a really weird movie. I suppose it's a horror film. It's just kind of sort of really weird, but we got to see it here when they had Sundance here. And it made me, it actually made me remember this film. They're very, very different, but there's something about not being able to get out, whether it's open (laughs) or whether it's closed, just the knowledge that I'm looking up there and that's where I need to be and I'm down here and there's nothing I can do about it. It's so alarming. Yeah, because even if you have, even if you're not packed in real tight, just the fact that you can't get out (laughs) makes it extra claustrophobic. And the longer that goes on, the more claustrophobic that it feels. Um, And this one certainly qualifies from 2001, The Hole, number five on our list of claustrophobic horror and uh, moving up to number four, I think we've talked about this movie. At oh, least I'm sure we have. This is occasions. a favorite, yeah. Definitely one to, uh, it's fun to keep going back to. This is from 1997, and six complete strangers with widely varying personalities are involuntarily placed in an endless maze containing deadly traps. It's called Cube. Does anybody remember how they got here? Why would they throw innocent people in here? Are we being punished? There's a way in here, so there's got to be a way out. Do you think they'd go to all the trouble to build this thing if we could just walk out? Take a good long look around. Cause I got a feeling it's looking at us. We have about three days without food and water before we're too weak to move. I just want to wake up. You're not getting out of here. Yes, we are. There is no way out of here. We need to get around the traps. They're identified by prime numbers. We'll figure it out. I can't. I'm not dying in a rat maze. We are the key. The cube is us. Scariest thing about this movie for me is not so much the claustrophobia, but the fact that you had to do math problems. <laughs> 
to figure your way out of it and save yourselves. I'd have been dead in about three or four minutes. Yeah, we'd have just given ourselves up. <laughs> oh, prime numbers, kill us now. This one We're does. going to wait for the swords. <laughs> this one does a lot with comparatively little, really. It was shot in 20 days, most of it on a handheld camera. And they do a great job of making these very minimal number of sets seem like a lot of sets as they going through what feels like a much more expansive cube that they're stuck in. And they fall victim to these elaborate traps, yeah. sort of saw-like. You know, that, That's uh, the thing. I, I always feel like this is the movie that Saw hoped to be. One of the things I love about this movie, Vincenzo Natale did this movie, and then he went on, he's a Canadian, and he went on to do Splice, which I also think is an underrated, oh, you're going there kind of a film. Oh, but yeah. There's, there's it's nothing, got that. Yeah, it does. But nothing like this. I mean, this movie is so incredibly clever and just nerve-jangling. But the guy who's the star of the, of the trailer, who's my favorite character in the movie, he doesn't have any lines, the bald guy, right? I don't know if you've seen this movie, but the way he dies is... Beautiful. It's perfect. <laughs> but he is Julian Richings, who starred in Anything for Jackson, oh. which makes me realize how long ago 1997 was, because he plays the grandpa in the really excellent <laughs> sort of possession movie, Anything for Jackson, that just came out this year. And, and he's just this like the sweet old grandpa slash Satanist. But it's so funny for me to have remembered in watching this trailer. I'm like, oh, my God, that's him. Yeah. Um, but Life comes at you fast. It does. <laughs> it does. It came at him fast. Oh, yeah. And he didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, and this has a, um, the, the director, as you mentioned, Vincenzo Natale, one of the first things he said that he, when he went to the editing bay, one of the first things that he took out from this movie was a final moment that shows what is outside the cube. And oh, he decided, good. no, that's uh, I'm striking that right now. And I think that was a good a good decision. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things. It's, it's a really clever movie. And the, the way that they, they give you these certain specific types of characters and you realize as the movie wears on that they're going to explain to you that that sort of the, the traditional horror trope characters are, are the opposite of what they seem. But the capper is how terrifying it is that you would have given up. Before they, or at least mm -hmm. for me, I'd have just given up and died. And you, it's not often that I watch a movie where I think I would let the zombies eat me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. usually I'm like, let's go. And this one I'm like, just sit it out. You're dead. Well, again, it's the math. <laughs> it's, it's the, the math, math involved. And all of the characters are named after famous prisons. That's right. For those that know about famous prisons, and their mannerisms, their characteristics reflect what the prisons are known for as well. So, yeah, wow. uh, yeah, uh, a, lot of, a lot of thought in there. Canadian so. prisons or like real prisons? No, I think real prisons. <laughs> for, for instance, um, René is a French jail that pioneered many of today's prison policies. So, okay. yeah, serious business. For Cube, number four on our list of claustrophobic horror from way back in the Stone Age, otherwise known as 1997. <laughs> uh, moving up to number three. This one, this might be the most claustrophobic uh, mm. on the list. Paul is a U.S. truck driver working in Iraq. After an attack by a group of Iraqis, he wakes up to find he's buried alive inside a coffin with only a lighter and a cell phone. It's a race against time to escape this claustrophobic death trap. Ryan Reynolds in Buried. So this is the trailer I couldn't make it through. I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to watch you. Yes, I'm from Hastings, Michigan. I'm a driver for CRT. My convoy was ambushed. I'm buried in a coffin in the ground, and I need help. Please send help. I'm begging you. How did you end up in the coffin, sir? I was put here. You're a medical? Yeah. 
Five million months to nine more to stay buried like dog. United States Department of State. I'm an American citizen. My convoy was attacked and I'm being held for ransom. I need five million dollars or I'll be left to die here. These threats are real and will be followed through on. I just have a few questions for you, Mr. Conrad. You gotta be kidding me. It's important that I get this information. It'll help wait, me. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. How do you know my name? What's going on right now? Uh, so you thought it was just another bad dark trailer? No, it's dark for a reason. And do you know what Ryan Reynolds needed? He needed the cruel tutelage of Pi May. <laughs> he did to get out of this. That's uh, right. The entire he's he he is the only human uh, in the cast. You do see, I think, someone else's face on a on a phone video, uh, and then you hear other voices. But it's just him in the coffin and that's it for the entire movie and uh that is man that's minimal that's minimalistic and that is claustrophobic yeah it is i mean it's you know and he's not a small dude i mean he's you know he's very long you can tell that his knees are bent like he, he takes up more space the way this film is shot is really um I, I was very impressed by it the way that they edit it and you know change the position so that you do, it doesn't become tedious mm -hmm. watching it, but at the same time, you feel very, very cramped. And again, the way that they use light with his camera, uh, excuse me, with his phone and with that lighter, I think it's spooky and beautiful and terrifying. There are moments in the film where I think they stretch credibility in trying to create a 90-minute film out of this, right? There are a couple things that happen. You're like, oh, that's also going to happen? Come on. For real? But on the whole, I mean, I thought it was, and, and I can't say that prior to watching this movie, I thought much of Ryan Reynolds as an actor. I mean, I thought he was pretty mm -hmm. and funny, but I don't know that I thought of him as much of an actor. But he, he's very impressive. I mean, that's, that's tough to be the only oh, person yeah. on screen for 90 minutes and to still, you know, compel your attention the whole time. Yeah, this is very different from any of the roles, really, that he's been famous for. And it's director Rodrigo Cortez shot it in 17 days. Uh, in a Barcelona studio. And before it was made, it the screenplay was featured um, a year earlier, the 2009 Blacklist, which was a list of the most liked unmade scripts of the year. So it had a lot of love for the script before it actually got made. And um, Ryan Reynolds himself uh, suffered a bit of claustrophobia on this. In fact, he, he said that the last day of shooting was, quote, unlike anything I experienced in my life, and I never, ever want to experience that again, close quote. So I, I can only imagine oh, yeah. uh, uh, be, being stuck in there. But And if you've seen Deadpool and Deadpool 2, both films mock, as Deadpool pretty much mocks everything, they mock what he had to go through in this movie. If you have any sort of real claustrophobia, as, as Hope said, this could trigger it. Oh, this, yeah, this it's could really, really hard to watch. Trigger it. it is. It is really hard because to watch. Because it's not just as one scene here or there. It's the entire movie. You never leave that casket. Never do. And it's uh, it's freaky. 2010, buried. Ooh, I'm checking the clock. we got to get moving Yeah. because we got a film to show. So let's uh, move. Oh, and one more note about that. This movie, uh, Buried, uh, Cortez said that uh, some of his inspirations when making this were Hitchcock films Rope and Lifeboat, an, sure. in an inspiration sure. which I can definitely see. Uh, so let's move up to number two, a caving expedition, hint, hint, goes horribly wrong as the explorers become trapped and ultimately become pursued by a strange breed of predators, the Descent. There's only one way out of this chamber, and that's down the pipe. This is not good, guys. Can we get out of here? Which way? I don't know. Is there
For a long time, Fright Clubbers know we love this movie we for do. so many reasons. But Fucking I, Juno. Oh, Juno. <gasps> but I think this might have the the one moment yeah. that bothered me most right. out of any of these claustrophobic films. Because just the idea, just the thought of getting stuck yeah. trying to crawl through that little opening just freaks me the hell out. Yes. And then more, more so than an entire movie of seeing Ryan Reynolds trapped in a box. I mean, that, yeah. that, that just, ooh, oh, can't yeah. even imagine. Yeah. I mean, it, the, it, the whole movie is just terrifying. It's such a masterpiece. It's so scary. Um, and, you know, we watch a lot of horror films, and it's not that often that I, I, I watch one and I'm, like, equally exhilarated and just afraid. Like, this movie scared me, which I, I appreciate so much. I loved Neil Marshall's previous film, right, um, Dog Soldiers. It was great. It was very funny. It was super creepy. But... Uh, this movie is truly is one of the very best, like top five horror films of the 2000s. It's such a great movie. Yeah, and of course, a lot of that has to do with when it, uh, the movie makes its move to the monsters, the quote unquote oh, yeah. crawlers. Oh yeah. And Marshall also kept them, what they looked like, kept that secret from the cast until the absolute last moment, so that they would be justifiably freaked out, uh, which was a, a a great move, I think, because they do look. So creepy. And the way he shoots them, he shot a lot of them at 18 frames per second for you tech heads, 18 frames per second with a 45-degree shutter to make them that staccato type of movement. Uh, it's just it's just freaky all the way around. And once it makes that turn into a creature feature, man, all hell breaks loose. Yeah, it's yeah, it's amazing. And one of the other things I liked about it, and, and we can move on, but it's very similar in structure to a lot of, like, the cave, to a lot of, of sort of, Navy SEAL sort of black ops kind of, you know, military grade, not action films where the, you know, and what I love about this is that it's just five human beings who are good at certain things and they're trapped inside of it. And you still think they have a shot at getting out, but like there's no, you, you feel more like you're one of them, which to me made it that much more claustrophobic. Then, you know, oh, they're going to shoot their way out or, you know, they've got training and skills. And then you sort of feel, I think, at a distance from the, the action. Um, I thought that all the performances were great, and the fact that, like, the one lady is a school teacher and the other two are sisters who kind of bitch at each other all the time, it felt very authentic, which made it that much scarier to me. And it's worth noting that it's all-female cast. Well, after the, after the very beginning, it's yeah. an all-female cast uh, that you didn't see much driving a, a horror film. Right. From 2005, it's The Descent. Uh, and it has, if you have seen it, it has... Alternate endings. It does. Let's put it that way. Yeah. That if you're interested and you haven't seen, it might be worth checking out. But we don't want to spoil anything. We don't want to spoil anything about uh, number one either because that's the one we're going to see tonight uh, from 1988. Rex and Saskia, a young couple in love, are on vacation. They stop at a busy service station and Saskia is abducted. After three years and no sign of her, Rex begins receiving letters from the abductor, the original The Vanishing. <laughs> Okay, so how many people have already seen this original version? Uh, we got a few. Okay. I remember we we originally rented this from Blockbuster yeah, back in the day. We did. And how, how did it get on our radar? Was it was it because of the, the remake? Had I have a sixth sense about these things. You do? I do. Wow. We're not going to talk about why it's claustrophobic, though. We're going to wait and have you right. come down and talk to us about that after. That's right. We don't want to spoil anything because a lot of people that, that haven't seen it. But please, after it's over, come down. We'd love to get your thoughts on it. 107 creepy minutes later. 
Was anyone else impressed by Rex's handwriting? <laughs> it was really nice. Very lovely penmanship. He had lovely penmanship. He <laughs> did, especially when he was writing on a Polaroid picture, which is not easy. <laughs> Just, you know, some levity to lighten the mood after that movie, <laughs> I, I think. Um, it was really interesting to see it again, because we hadn't seen it, or I hadn't seen it in years, yeah. uh, to pick up different things. Well, just off the top, the, the main performance yeah. uh, of The Killer yes. is stupendous. Yes, I love that. I find it very alarming, this sequence, the early sequence when he's practicing, and he, like, trips, and he doesn't shut his car yeah. door very cleanly, and you're like, oh, how awkward for him. You know, like, like <laughs> oh, I hate, you know, it was very um, disturbing to me how sort of human that characterization was. I kind of wanted it not to be. Uh, then later on, when you see how they met at the vending machine and, and, you know, he'd given up on this whole ridiculousness of faking it. And then you just were like, and, and it reminded me, you know, years later of, of Silence of the Lambs, where it's just... It's just being nice. Just being like a nice, friendly human being is what is going to get us all murdered in the most horrible possible way. Well, isn't that also the, the broken arm thing? Didn't yes. Ted Bundy do that? Yeah, he, I Ted think Bundy that was did one of the that, things yeah. that, that because he, used. he thought kindness was the human humanity's greatest weakness. Yeah, and you're so he preyed on it, playing on somebody's th sympathy. And then when Saskia, her last fatal mistake was seeing his family yes. snapshot and immediately thinking, oh, then he must be, he must be, a he good must guy. be safe there. Yeah. Um, also thought it was fascinating how much they used the play-by-play uh, -play of the Tour de France. Yes. Uh, where it came into, when it uh, got down to being, I think the announcer called it a battle between two men or a battle of wits. You know, it's funny like that, that I do not recall that from having seen I don't it either. these times. This is the first time I noticed that. Turns into a fascinating, a, a battle of wits and a fascinating character study. Mm -hmm. Um, mainly of, of the killer, but then of their relationship once Rex meets up with him. You know, it's weirdly, my favorite scene in this movie is when he tries to murder what turns out to be his teenage daughter's volleyball coach, and she thinks he's just trying to pick somebody up. Yeah. And so she gives him the brilliant idea to just go murder a foreigner at a really busy gas station, and he's like, Eureka! You know, and it's like, <laughs> It was just such a funny thing. He, she just realized that he's trying to do something he's not supposed to do, and she assumes that it's, you know, something sort of lurid, and she thinks she's just giving him, like, a good tip. Go pick up a prostitute at a gas station, and she winds up murdering poor Sasuke. And it's, it's just more proof that every little step, even a, a, a setback like that, he uses it as part of his, since he's a, a scientist, his equation, yeah. part of his equation to finally get to the, to the uh, result that he wants. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. The, the other time is where people don't do exactly what he is hoping them to do or expects them to do, and he's throwing off his game. the best is when he sneezes, right? Yeah, when <laughs> he sneezes. Yeah. It's another time where you're, like, almost alarmed that you yeah. feel... That's one of the things about it is it makes you feel empathetic to the, to the murderer. Like, oh, I would totally do that. I would totally sneeze into my own chloroform yeah. and not be able to murder this poor lady trying to get in my car. But every time he's thrown <laughs> off his game just a little bit, yeah. it, it's okay. He just feeds it into the final equation where he's going to, uh, he's going to get, it, get it down to the result that he wants. And I also thought it was fascinating, the outcome of his saving that little girl and yeah. then how he explained how he came to the habit that he has now. And then... We talk about the, the remake, uh, the American remake. 
you mentioned Jeff Bridges, who is a, a great actor. I just didn't care for his visualization of the character. He makes him too weird. Yeah. I, I like that this guy in this movie is more of a guy. Super who, ordinary. Yes. Like who, completely non-threatening. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that it is by the same director, though, and the director is George or George Sluzer, um, as far as pulling punches at the end yeah. in the American version, it, it makes... More sense, I think, because this it was an original alternate ending that he had for this version. Ah. So I, I guess normally you'd say if it was a different director for it's an funny, American audience. We were talking about that earlier with the descent. Yes. And the American version, the alternate, which is actually the alternate version, right? Because it's not an American film. The the American version pulls punches, and uh, and it's it's funny how the assumption is that we're just not we're just not ready for it here. Right. Um. And I've told the story before where I accidentally watched the other Descent with my older sister one time, who doesn't really like horror movies, but I thought she would like the Descent because it's a great movie. And then in the end, well, it it ends much more horribly in the British version, and she punched me so hard. She's a very <laughs> big woman, and she hurt me. So I'm not gonna risk. No, this is the this is the bad ending. This is the scary, scary ending. Yeah, and uh, the guy... I'm not watching this with my sister. <laughs> what I remember the most from watching it the first time, except how the ending just devastated me because I didn't, I had no idea that that's what was coming, right? As, as most people, when you watch the first time, that the last thing you think of, and so it just killed me. But is that when I watched it the first time, I was so disappointed in Saskia that she she forgave him for abandoning her in that in that tunnel. You know, I was like... Wow, that was quick. Are you serious? Because you could have died in that tunnel. And then, of course, he knows that. And that's what that's what drives him mad through the rest, as it ought to have driven him mad. That was a terrible thing to do to Saskia. Yeah. And, and there's two stories that serve the inspiration for this movie. Again, the, the guy who wrote the book, Tim Crabby, supposedly he based it on a newspaper article that he read about a female tourist who disappeared from a bus trip. Uh, at a gas station in France, but then he did extensive research and found that she actually turned up alive and well a day later. Oh, well, good. Yeah, well, that's that's one uh, story. And then the other is that it's based on an urban legend, a French urban legend related to the Paris Exposition of 1901, where a woman and her daughter travel to Paris, and while the woman unpacks, the daughter goes to a nearby shop and then disappears. And that actually, that urban legend was used as the basis of a few movies like The Lady Vanishes, which yeah. we already mentioned. Uh, so either one or both of those could be true, uh, but the uh, the inspiration behind behind this movie. You could see how it would, both stories could work. It could be an urban legend, or you could see it's just an inspiration of maybe a, a, a newspaper article they'd read. Either way, it turned out pretty well. It did. So what did you guys think? Had you seen this before? Um, a long time ago, but what I love about it is how mundane everything seems to be about it. Um, it seems very plain, almost is just a, a, a typical drama going forward until the horrible things start to happen. And, and that makes it all the more horrifying. It's almost like a dr dramatized episode of Unsolved Mysteries, which, you know, have probably horrified many people in the audience here. <laughs> Everything with Robert Stack. But what this movie really makes me think of is the Australian Peter Weir movie, Picnic at Hanging Rock. Yes! Um, and just how matter of fact the disappearance is about it and it leaves so much unsaid that that makes it all the more scary and you know picnic at hanging rock is not necessarily a horror film but it gets under your skin and just really freaks you out and this is the same way that you know the original the vanishing does as well 
I think that reminds me of the reason that we originally sought it out when we went to rent it years ago. I think it's because of just what he was talking about. Stanley Kubrick, I think it was, that listed it as one of his most terrifying films. Well, that and that might have be. been why we, we sought it out. But that's, that's a good point. It is so mundane and terrifying. Yeah, I think, honestly, the most chilling part to me is how it can almost happen to anyone. Like, just think about how many times your loved one is by themselves. It, it's funny. Um, I saw this over a year ago. And then my girlfriend was going to go to Amsterdam in December for like six months to teach uh, last year. And then I wanted to show her this movie because I really liked it. And then we got five minutes in and I think, no, maybe we shouldn't watch this, you know. <laughs> and so. <laughs> and how did the date end? Uh, pretty fine. We just kind of hung out. Uh, she still hasn't seen it. Um, probably a good thing. But yeah, just like thinking about how many times your loved ones are just not with you. It's, yeah. It's a scary thought. Yeah, I think that they play on that when he has a kind of an argument with his his next girlfriend, who is clearly a masochist, and she, you know, she leaves and he just runs after her and like tackles her because you know you would, especially as haunted he as he is, you would just not ever want the people you love out of your sight. Certainly not if it's your fault. I like what you mentioned earlier. Um, I really like the performance of the actor who played the killer. Uh, just because, like like you said, he was so normal. Like, you wouldn't suspect him at all. He's a family man as well. Like, and just the fact that, like, he would be able to do all that stuff, it's just so, like, horrifying. And that ending, that part was only, like, a couple minutes long, and I was still, like, squirming in my seat. Yeah, we should mention it. I'll try to pronounce it. Bernard Pierre Dunadieu. <laughs> Dunadieu played Raymond. And you know what else bothered me at the very beginning? Did anybody else notice how many shirtless dudes there were it, it didn't seem to be that warm I mean Rex was wearing a long sleeve sweater and every second guy that came past if he didn't have his shirt off he decided I'm gonna take my shirt off and that just kind of the 80s in France George what do you want they love their nudity in France don't they well, thank you so much. I appreciate everybody coming out. Great comments, by the way. Yes, thank you so much. This is certainly a movie that you can dissect. Yes. Um, and, and, and talk about uh, because it, it really kind of gets, yeah, gets under your skin that way. Again, looking ahead to next month, it's going to be a Christmas extravaganza. We yep. just don't know what the movie is yet. Got a couple where uh, we're rolling around and seeing what Chris can get. So we hope yep. to see you back here. Second. Rare Exports. This is the one I want, by the way. Rare, Rare exports, exports is the one we hope that we get. And if... And then we're going to do Santa Claus. That would be our yep. that would be our thing. And if not, maybe the anthology, A Christmas Horror Story. That's right. That's starring another. William Shatner. Right. That could be our theme. Shatner yeah, is not going to be our that theme. Could be, <laughs> it's not be our that theme. could be a, a second choice. It's not going to be our theme. We'll let you know, obviously, on uh, MadWolf.com or the socials, Madwolf Columbus on Facebook and uh, Fright Club Pod on Twitter. If anybody doesn't have a Fright Club button, I got plenty. I see a few new faces here tonight. So uh, afterwards, come down. We'd love to give you a Fright Club button. So you can stay frightful every day. <laughs> so until next time, she's Hope Mad. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends. Beautiful job. Thank Beautiful you. job. All right, looking forward to some good comments afterwards. Enjoy the movie.